Praise the Lord, everybody. I think I was a teenager. I was doing that. I don't, yeah, no, don't quote me on that. That's that's the only bad thing about virtual. <laughs> they when it's streamed and recorded, they can go back. Yeah, you did say that. There's a lot of things you say in the boldness of anointing that uh, sometimes you regret later in the flesh. <laughs> but it's an honor to be here. It's great, great to be back here in this church and uh, with the Wright family, uh, with your pastor and, and Sister Wright and their incredibly talented and anointed kids, their children. Um, I'm, I'm so thankful. And I was honored to be invited to be a part of this. And, uh, you know, the Bible describes the Holy Ghost somewhat in an experience like partaking of, of new wine. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. But they, he didn't say they weren't drunk. They were just drinking a different kind of wine. So, you know, the older you get, the more vintage we become, right? I guess. <laughs> but but thank you for uh, thank you for your honor to the man of God and his family. And if I could say anything as a fellow pastor, um, when you take time to show respect and honor in in the little moments and the big moments, it's very very meaningful, especially in these challenging times and in a world that's fastly approaching the coming of the Lord. And that's what we are all anxious and hopeful for. But a man of God has to carry a burden in this generation, probably unlike any other time in the history of, of the church. And part of that's because there's going to be the greatest revival, I believe, before the rapture. But with that harvest comes a heaviness. And with that blessing comes a burden. And with that calling and confidence, sometimes comes, well not sometimes, daily comes, that cumbersome, heavy cross. Every, every believer has to bear it, but the ministry bears it. And I appreciate, I appreciate. I've always felt like, and it's been a few years since I've been here, but as Brother Wright said, I, I always feel like we pick up where we left off. And I've always appreciated the resident anointing and reverence and respect for ministry that this church has. And and I appreciate that. I do want to give honor to Bishop and Sister Wright, uh, my love for them, and uh, the long-time friendship in many, many ways that that your elder has been a blessing to me personally. Amen. Praise God. Well, I guess I better preach a little bit. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis 32. And I wanted, I want to give you what I, I feel the Lord laid upon my heart in the last couple of days and in the last little while. Genesis 32. Verse 24 said, And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. 
And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. He said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. Now, one of the things you have to see in this passage is that there was no change without the struggle. There was no transformation without the trial. If he was not willing to wrestle for it, to fight for it, to hold on for it, there was going to be no re-identifying who he was. Sometimes the church and people in a church have to go through a period of pain and being able to endure that pain. And it generally comes right at the breaking of the day. The breaking of the day. Would you lift your hands to the Lord and ask Him to, to minister to you, to speak to you. God, you strengthen us through your word. You empower us through your word. We are nothing without you, but we can do anything when you flow through us. I pray, oh God, for that fresh touch. I pray, oh God, for that fresh word. I pray for a ministry of encouragement and a release of conviction. I thank you for the faithful, oh God, that will hear the word of God tonight. And for those, Lord, that have had certain things in the depth of their soul. They've held it there. They've waited upon God. They've continued to serve. They have looked and they have listened. And I pray, God, that your word will once again be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Give us the direction that we need. And continue, Lord, to speak into our minds and our hearts. And help us, O oh God, to lift up our voices every chance we can to magnify your name. Everybody shout in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. I was, I was thinking a few minutes ago, I have, and you can relate to this, you have lost way more in pride than you ever have in prayer. Because one thing that prayer does is it reminds you of your humanness and it reminds you of your humility. Because a lot of times before heaven can operate in a particular way that he wants to operate for us, we have to be reminded of our weaknesses. Now, that's not to go into a pity party. That's not to make excuses. That's not for us to, to walk around with a doom and gloom, dragging our heels, head bowed, and always in a broken manner. But it is a realization that in a time when I bend my knees before God and when I prostrate and lay out before God, if it's in the early hours of the morning or if it's in the noonday or if it's in uh, the last hours or at midnight, when you begin to cry out unto the Lord, you are putting your flesh back in a vulnerable place where you're telling God he's the one that's supernatural. And if there's going to be a miracle in a moment of misery, if there's going to be a breakthrough into the impossible, I have to get my flesh out of the way. And when I get my flesh out of the way, then 
the things that he would like to flow, the things that he would like to release, and the things that he would like to change is a whole lot easier. So why I tell our people at home occasionally, don't just come to church, come to change. I mean, just coming to church can become a social function. There's a lot of people that can come to church. And we even, even especially before the pandemic, you know, you had a lot of Pentecostal observers just about in any church anywhere around the country. There are people that are interested in the way you do service. There are people that, you know, they kind of, it's almost like a Broadway show to them. Man, you got to go, You have you ever been to a Pentecostal church? Now, just think about it. Think about how it was advertised to some of you. Have you ever been to a Pentecostal church? And sometimes they even exaggerate it even more. I remember I had a friend of mine when I first started going to a Pentecostal church. He said, yeah, I went down to a Pentecostal church. He said there was like 10 people crawling on the floor. And he said, I watched this one guy slither down the middle of the aisle. I was like, what? How many first time when you came, walked into a Pentecostal atmosphere, now tell the truth, and some of you, you've gotten to be such a veteran, you've forgotten. But when you first walked into a Pentecostal church, you was like, I don't know if I'll last 10 minutes in this crazy house. <laughs> See, and now you're one of us. You stick around long enough, we're going to get you addicted to apostolic ways. Because what you find out is that the fire that burns is authentic. And the anointing is very real. It does break a yoke in your life when you let the Spirit of God have His way. And you find that really fast. That chain breaking is not just a great song they can sing up there on that platform. But when I get down there in that altar, there's some shackles going to fall down at my feet. And there's some prison doors that are going to open up. And there's some captivity in my spirit that's going to get broken. Because these people are real. And what I have found about this is to be real. And so all of a sudden, now it is not just some distant rumor, and it's not just some distant observation, but you have become a part of this. And so you are not just here to see what's going on. You are not just showing up because, hey, I need to meet with so-and-so, and we need to strike up a business deal later. That's what some people go to church for. But in the apostolic arena, in the atmosphere of the Holy Ghost, in the place where the supernatural operates, more often than not, many of you come into this place because you're wrestling with things. You're grappling with chaos. You're going through struggles. Sometimes it's a burden for your kids. Sometimes it's a contention with yourself. Sometimes it is trying to figure out what your purpose is in the kingdom of God. Or sometimes it's just an accumulation. It's like all of the above. I don't even need just one choice. It's whatever's on the list. I'm having trouble with that. But I want to tell somebody in the Holy Ghost, I believe God sent me here tonight to tell somebody that through the night of your struggle and all the hours and the shadows and all the pain that you've endured, you are at the breaking of the day. That means the night can't last that much longer. The trial doesn't have that much fuel left in the tank. Praise God. Woo! I, I figured somebody should have been on their feet saying, yeah, I can relate to that. 
But my faith is going to carry me through. And I've got a fire that burns. And I've got a faith that won't stop. And I've got a confidence in the Word of God. And I'm going to hold on to what my shepherd has been preaching. And I'm going to hold on to what has been prophesied over my family. And the things that I've received in the wrestling hours of the altar. I am not going to give them up because we have paid a price for them. When you begin to lift your hands and say, I shall be victorious, you're not just going through proverbial motions. You are not just stretching out with some kind of religious exercise. You are operating in a faith that knows once again that God is going to do exactly what he said he would do. Praise God, praise God. Oh, God, give somebody the strength to go another hour. Give somebody the faith to endure another week. Give somebody the sense to go through a sickness just a little while longer because the healing is coming. The virtue river is flowing. The demonstration of the Spirit has not been ceased. God will continue to operate with a great anointing in His church. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Set. Glory to God. And I know that I know that you've you, you've probably you've probably heard this in some sense or some way before. But it's almost as if you can be seated. It's almost as if there are some things that maybe have been on the shelf, like that oil. You can see it through the pulpit. Some of you have received promises. Some of you have carried them around. But sometimes we carry things around and we think like God has forgotten about them. Because He doesn't always work according to our calendar. He doesn't work necessarily on my schedule. But the supernatural is always on His schedule. Somebody's getting a miracle somewhere at any moment. That's what I believe. In fact, I declared to our church a few months ago that I believe every service that we come together, somebody's going to be healed. Somebody's going to get baptized. Somebody's going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Because we cannot waste a service. And I don't believe that God wastes one moment of His presence. Somewhere right now, in the last few seconds, somebody in the global church just got a miracle. Somebody just crossed over from one side of sickness to the other side of victory and healing and deliverance. So why not in this house tonight? And why not in your home? And why not in your affliction? And why not in your hour of agony? Every minute there's a manifestation of the Spirit. Every second God is operating in the supernatural. Every hour the anointing of the Lord is at work. Jesus And so it might seem, it might seem that it's a delay. But as Second Peter said, God is not slack. As some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish. That word is ruin. That word is condemnation. If you're a child of God tonight, the revival that God has promised for you cannot come to ruin. It cannot be a perishable prophecy. 
My Bible tells me in Isaiah that there's not one word that God has ever spoken that returns void. Your pastor spoke it earlier. If a seed has been planted, if it's irrigated and inspired by the Spirit, it will push through the soil. It will find a stalk. It will bear the fruit. And an orchard of promise will come up out of the soil because your God is not a God who's ever known failure. I've known failure. You've known failure. I've come short. You've come short. But God has been 100% accurate every time. He has never missed it. He has never been off course. He has never been off target. His aim has never been less than to the right or to the left. I was just, I was just asking my, my, my father-in-law the other day, he's, he's, he's like a big time hunter. And, uh, we're supposed to be going hunting. Not to offend anybody if you don't do any hunting. I don't really, but I have to now because my kids have gotten into it. I mean, i at this point, I'm still trying to kill a doe. I would, I'd take an armadillo, I guess, at this point. But I've got this really fancy rifle for somebody that hadn't killed anything yet. It's a 300 Weatherby. I mean, the thing's powerful. And uh, so I was asking him, I said, now, how do I need to get this sighted? Because I need to go out and get it sighted. You know, do I need to sight it at 100 yards, 150? He said, well, you probably want to get it around 150. And he started telling me. He, now, I may misquote him here a little bit, but you'll get the gist. He said, now, if you get it sighted at 100 and you shoot something at about 200 yards, that means you're probably going to be off about an inch or two. So you have to make adjustments for it. And he said, like, if you're going to start shooting something about 300 yards out, and I'm thinking, really? I'm going to try to kill something from three football fields away. Did I suddenly become a Navy sniper overnight? I mean, they're, they're sending me over, you know, with what is the guy that goes with them that spots his spotter? No, I'm not going to be that guy. Now, I might do it in the Holy Ghost from the pulpit. That's a different place. Or we might do it from the free throw line. But he was telling me. Let me just tell you about God. It doesn't matter how far out it is. <laughs> now you just now just think about that for a moment. Some of you have been carrying a promise from God for days and years and years. And in a grand scheme of things, you think I am so far past from when I prayed for that. How could God, how could he hit the target from that distance now? That is so far off. I don't care if it's a thousand yards. I don't care if it's a thousand years. God never misses. And so the simplicity of me telling you that at your breaking of the day is that if God, if God spoke a word to you and he used a prophet, a pastor, a teacher, an evangelist, if he spoke to you through an elder in a prayer meeting, if he spoke to you through the gifts of the Spirit and has confirmed the word two and three and four times, don't you let a devil of doubt, don't you let a spirit of deception... And, and here's something, don't you let your own personal frustrations and failures put you in a position to shame you out of the miracle that God has appointed for you. 
Everybody can have a misstep. Everybody for a moment can get detoured by certain thought processes and a mentality and temptations or even spirits of the past. But you course correct every time you walk into the house of God and say, I'm here to pray again. Every morning that you get up and drag your carcass and, and submit your carnality to the altar of repentance and prayer. Every time that you, like Apostle Paul, say, I die daily in this presence. God hasn't taken your promise off the shelf. God has not removed your miracle out of his inventory. God has not canceled it out. I came to tell somebody in the Holy Ghost at the breaking of the day, God is going to remember every hour that you've prayed, every moment of sacrifice, every day and every service and every week of your faithfulness to the house of God. Every time you've cultivated a relationship with God when you didn't, couldn't see a result a hundred miles, you couldn't, you didn't know when it was going to come, but you didn't live for God for results. You didn't show up just so you could get a quick fix or get a microwave moment in the presence of God. You came here because you love Him. Oh, what will the world do with a church that's in love with Him? What can the world do with a church that is sold out to Him? I appreciate the blessings, God, but I want you. I want the bread more than I want the blessings. I appreciate the miracles. Yes, I do. We pray for them. We long for them. But I'd rather have you, Jesus. I'd rather be in your presence. I'd rather hear your voice. I'd rather feel the comfort of your word. I'd rather know that regardless of what I face and how many adversaries are encroached against me in the night, I'd rather know that I'm a child of God and they are not. Praise God. At the breaking of the day, I feel like in the Holy Ghost, somebody needs to be reminded, you're a disciple, which means you belong to Him. You got the brand name Jesus on you. That's why I don't worry about the mark of the beast. I got the mark of the blessed. The Antichrist is just going to come up with some cheap imitation because you know what he wants? The devil has always wanted to be equal with God. He didn't, now he never wanted to be above God. He knew he couldn't get above God. He wanted to get up there in the mountain of holiness to be equal with God. And when he got himself kicked out, you know what he did? He created a co-equal religion, but I won't get into all that. <laughs> just, just think about it. Got to divide the authority of the almighty God as one God. Let's make him three separate distinct persons. There's never been three separate distinct persons in the Godhead. Hebrews 1 said Jesus was the express image of his person. Singular. Praise God. When you go into, I think it's Numbers 7 and 89. So 789 gives us the 321. Because he went in in 789 and the book said he heard one voice. Speaking to him. <laughs> it wasn't a trio on the stage. It wasn't a three-part harmony in the Godhead. It was one voice. And, and that powerful authority of God 
that one voice of the Lord, that word of God that's a lamp to your feet, that becomes a projection of prophecy on your path. That means if you walk in the light of what he has instructed you, you can avoid a lot of pitfalls if you'll listen to the pastor. I just thought I'd sneak that one in there on you. I mean, really, we're not just filling, the men of God are not just filling space. They lay on their faces and they fast and pray, and you know that. That when they get up in, the, in this sacred place, they minister and, and, and deploy the word of God in your life. And the angels of God that are released, sometimes militantly, to work on your behalf. Sometimes you don't even know the hours that a shepherd is standing, warding off the wolves. And you never even had to fight them. Now, it doesn't mean that you're not in a battle, but there are things that take place and that when God is speaking, and I feel like God is speaking at somebody's breaking of the day, and he is going to establish an anointing on somebody to remind you that you are a disciple, the devil is a cheap imitator. Think about it. Revelation 13, it shows us that he, in, in verse 18, the number of his name is 666. What does he want? He wants his name on everybody. Kind of sounds like baptism. I'm not wearing that name. I've already got the brand name, the name of Jesus, the name above every other name. That's why John 666, the scripture says when he started talking to them about the cross, when he started talking to them about how they're going to have to eat flesh and drink blood, the Bible said many of them turned away. That's John 666. Read it when you go home. That's the mark of the backslider. So John 666 is the mark of the backslider. John, uh, Revelation 1318 is the mark of the beast. But I've got Acts 238. That's the mark of the blessed. And so I say that to you tonight because at your breaking of the day, you've wrestled with things. You've grappled with things. Some of you have been wrestling with doubt. And if you'd be sincere about it, 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 it doesn't even depict necessarily what kind of prayer life you have. You might be praying two and three hours a day. You may pray from wee hours early in the morning, four to six a.m. And yet you still grapple with certain things in your belief. But I'm telling you by the Holy Ghost God wants to remind you that you are his disciple. And there are things that are made for the disciples that the devils will never own. Your adversaries can never take ownership up. They can't rob you of. They can't take it away from you. You have been touched by the Lord. And, and just like Jacob, some of you, when you get through this breaking of the day moment, when you get through this grappling, and it might be just a few more days, you'll be like Jacob. Jacob went in that night, he walked one way, but when he came out and the sun started shining on that morning, he limped for the rest of his life because his hollow of his thigh had been pulled out of joint. I don't know that he ever went and saw a chiropractor and got that fixed. I don't know if he went down and got him hip surgery and got a new one put in. But he walked differently the rest of his life. And it was evident I would rather walk with a limp because I've been touched by the Lord than to swagger with human arrogance and to walk around with secular acceptance and with earthly approval. Let me be touched and broken by the Lord. But the whole world know who I belong to. I want you to lift your hands for a moment in this place. 
every hurting heart, every agonizing spirit, everybody that has been in the face of the tragic and has questioned God. I pray in the name of Jesus that there is a dawning moment, that there is a light of revelation, something that has already been there. They just haven't been able to see it. But in a spiritual moment of discovery, as God begins to radiate it, as God begins to shed light upon it, as a fire begins to burn in a spirit of intercessory prayer, I pray that an old promise and an old prophecy is relit and comes back to their attention and they see it with clarity because God is not the author of confusion. Glory to God. Glory to God. Jesus' name. Maybe somebody would say, he's going to do it for my family. He's going to do it for my faith. He's going to do it for my finances. He's going to do it in every, every area of my life, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically. Now think about it. We're getting, we're getting close to winter now. And in a, few, in a few weeks or a couple of months, some of those beautiful trees you have in your yard, in certain times of the year, they have beautiful blossoms, and maybe they got flowers on them, or you maybe got fruit trees. They're going to look dead. There ain't going to be no leaves on them. They're going to be brittle branches. They're going to tick and clack and, and make noises that are more haunting than they are inspiring. But let me just tell you, <laughs> in a synonymous way with the breaking of the day, Hear the Holy Ghost tell you, spring's coming. That tree's not dead. Don't go cut it down. That prophecy's not dead. Don't, don't eliminate it. Don't excise it. Don't treat it like it's some tumor. It will bud. And it will bring forth again. In the name of Jesus. I, I feel to tell somebody in the Holy Ghost tonight that you're treating dead what God is about to reveal is not only alive, but it has a lot of fruit in it. And if you'll just leave it alone, just leave it alone. Spring is coming. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Let's lift our hands and thank him in the name of Jesus. Jesus' name. Sometimes, sometimes timing's everything. I've had, I've had people come and tell me a word, and it'd be a real simple word. It might be something like, hey, man, everything's going to be all right. And, and the devil of mockery over here on the side, you know, keeping a scorecard, say like, what's so prophetic about that? I mean, seriously. Anybody could have told him it's going to be all right. But what if that individual had just prayed 15 seconds earlier? Lord, I'm in the, I'm in the fight of my life. I'm in the struggle like I've never been in. And I, 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 don't, I don't need an angel to show up. I don't need some mystery scribble on the wall. If you just send somebody to tell me, it's going to be all right. See, timing. Timing shows us the specifics of his care and his affection and his compassion and the working. And so some of you that are carrying things, 
that you've carried a long time, and maybe there's been a partial fulfillment. I want to encourage you in the Holy Ghost tonight, don't take partial fulfillment to mean that God is done with it. Because if God promised you X amount and you're only halfway there, don't retire it. Just continue to hold on to it. Fight for it. Because God in his timing, just like this will never this will not be the greatest sermon you've ever heard. But if some of you hear what the Holy Ghost sent me to tell you tonight, that you're at your breaking of the day. In fact, some things I'm saying in the Holy Ghost right now will mean more to some of you in the next 24 to 48 to 72 hours than it will right now. And you understand that because you've been to many services like that. You've walked in. How many times have you come to church on a Sunday and your pastor get up and preach? You're like, what? I was just reading that in my Bible this morning. We were just talking about that yesterday, me and sister so-and-so, when we were having coffee together. Or maybe in this hour, when we were having a Zoom meeting together. <laughs> because in the timing of the Spirit, God is bringing and joining together. And I'm going to tell you something, He's going to label it different too. You walk out of that wrestling moment, don't you call yourself Jacob anymore. You're not Jacob. That's, that's a label of the past. That's heel catcher, that's deceiver, that's supplanter. And that brings up a whole lot of bad memories. And that shows a lot of ill will between you and your brother. There's a lot of sibling rivalry going on in the church of the living God if we keep certain labels. But when we get rid of those labels and we say, no, no, don't call me that anymore. That's not who I am. I'm not Jacob anymore. I'm Israel. Israel's governed by God. This thing's controlled by the Spirit. We are a Spirit-led, vibrant, powerful organism in this last day. The church is alive. Come on. You didn't show up to a cemetery tonight. You're in a sanctuary. You didn't come here because there weren't enough graves in Egypt. You came to the house of God tonight because Red Seas are parted and miracle bread is given and honey comes out of the rock. Stay faithful, stay faithful, stay faithful. I join that that has probably been said from this platform and off this pulpit over the last 40 or 50 years, how many times have you heard stay faithful? How many times have you heard don't give up? I come to add to it one more time. I come as if like, like a car. You know, how many times have you stopped at the gas pump? I mean, it's just routine. You're running out of gas. You better go get some gas. Or you're going to be stranded on the side of the road somewhere if the church doesn't stay faithful to some concepts and we don't hear it and be willing to hear it again and be willing to have another witness of it and bring me that word again. You ought to say, Pastor, if you want to get up and preach on that same concept six, seven, eight weeks in a row and want to come back next year and do it again, you do it until we hear it, till we have it, until we get to where God is taking us. You know what's insulting to God? When we sit back like the experts in class and go, I've heard all that before. You've heard it, but you ain't had it. There's a difference between hearing it and having it. And I can tell you right now, I've been preaching 40 years. I've heard it all too. But I ain't had near half of what I want to get. 
And if, if, if we would get that spirit in us, I don't care if it's a young upstart evangelist that stumbles around in his words and he's trying to flip through his scripture and find a, if he's come with a word from God, you don't know, I've heard all that before. You need to say, well, some reason God wants me to hear it again. Stay faithful. Don't give up. You're at the breaking of the day. If you agree in the spirit with me, stand up on your feet for a moment and lift your hands. And begin to call upon the name of the Lord again. And begin to release your faith again. And say, God, I know, I know. I know how many times I've heard this. I know how many times you've encouraged me. So for me to hear it again. For another preacher to be telling me this again. For me to be in the mirror of the word looking at this same thing again. Then what is about to be fixed? What is about to be transformed? What is about to be changed? What new day am I walking into? Oh God! What is finally going to be broken? Will it be an alabaster box? Will it be the perfume of a prophecy? Will it be the anointing of something spoken long ago? What is about to be revealed? I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. Come on, preach to me, pastor. Come on, tell it to me again, elder. Come on, call another prayer meeting. Cast another vision. I don't care if it's the same one you've had for the last 10 years. We want it. We're hungry for it. Come on, be encouraged and lift your voice and pray. If you want to fill up this altar, if you want to just turn where you're at into an altar, I want you to lift your voice at the close of this message and I want you to get a hold of something. And if you've been wrestling with it, if you've been grappling with it, if you have been in the struggle with it, if you feel like you have tossed and turned and had so many sleepless nights and anxiety and fears and all of that have tried to come in and snatch it away from you and seize it out of your hands, but you've got a grip on it. You've got a hold of it. You've got a spirit of tenacity that won't let it go. I'm not going to turn it loose. I'm not giving up the doctrines. I'm not letting go of the faith. I'm not walking away from the church. I am not going to let there be some coldness on my altar. I'm going to keep it fervent and hot. And I'll pray again in the morning. And I'll be back next week for another service. And the week after that one, as long as I have breath in my body. Waiting for the breaking of the day. Every promise, every prayer, every intercession, every travail for lost souls, every moment that you have fought back devils and you have prayed back the darkness and you've, re- you've watched adversaries recede and reinforce and come back stronger in number. But then you're more than a conqueror because you pray it again and you struggle again and you wrestle with it again. Somebody hear it that you will not be defeated if you stay on your knees. You will not be defeated if you stay humbling yourself before God. You cannot be defeated if you stay submitted to the authority. And you stay submitted to the word and the will of God for your life. 
Shalaba Katela Mohora Mashad de la Kia. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Oh God. I'm speaking to somebody in the spirit that situations as of late have made you somewhat desensitized. Oh yeah, you, you know how to praise. You, you go through the outward motions because you're faithful. You're not going to let anything stop you from praising God. And you know how to lift up your voice with everybody else. But you know you haven't really felt anything for a long time. And that's certainly not because there hasn't been powerful services. And there hasn't been a mighty fire of God burning in the altars of this church. But it's the season that you've been in. But you're at the breaking of the day, friend. And here pretty soon, you're going to feel a flood of it. It's going to come back to you. It's going to be deep calling unto deep. His waves are going to overwhelm you. His glories. Jesus' name. I see old boxes like old prophecies being broken up and stuff just flowing out of it. Things that have been stored up a long time. Don't give up, friend. The breaking, the breaking of the day. That means the night is leaving. <laughs> the trouble's about over. Weeping endures for a night, but joy, joy cometh in the morning. Isatak.